Homestyle Green episode 188. Is it possible to have a warm, dry, comfortable and safe home that's also affordable? G'day and welcome back to another episode of Homestyle Green. This is the podcast dedicated to inspiring people to make a better place to live. This week I'm very pleased to bring you a chat that I had recently with Paul uh, Hennessy and his wife and business partner Pascal. And Paul and Pascal have created Park Homes with the main motivation being to provide what they say is truly affordable housing for New Zealanders. But Paul's very keen on not just producing cheap houses. They wanted their homes to be warm, dry, energy efficient, safe from earthquakes, uh, but also affordable. So this is their story of how they came to create Park Homes. Now there's affordable houses out there, but most affordable is basically just bad quality at the end of the day. It's just cheaply built and they're just cold and drafty houses, which seem to be kind of normal in New Zealand. But it's, yeah. um, I just wanted to step away from that and actually build you know, energy efficient, warm, dry houses that anyone could afford. Um, and I actually didn't mind actually not finishing the houses um, if people actually wanted to do work themselves, which is basically the Kiwi way to do as much as they possibly can, just so they can actually afford a house and actually move in mm-hmm. with what they've got. Mm. So take us back a little bit. Um, you, you've got a bit of an accent. Uh, <laughs> what, what's the backstory into into creating Park Homes? Uh, well, originally from Wales, um, my background is actually, I'm actually a qualified plumber, electrician, gas fitter, and build them in, uh, in Wales. Uh, but when I came over here, I just wanted to do, just come over and live over here, and I didn't really know what I was going to do. And after doing building and project managing and whatnot and seeing the housing um, condition over here, just little by little, it was like a drip, drip effect. I actually had, it became more of a passion than that I really needed to do something to make a change for people. I, I like to ask people uh, what their first reaction is. Can you remember what you what you thought when you... Uh, experienced a Kiwi house when you first got here? Um, actually, the first thing I actually thought was, wow, that's an awful lot of timber going into a house. Uh-huh. It, I, I didn't even think about the earthquake and the seismology sort of um, how strong, because I'd seen houses in, in America and uh, Australia being built. And uh, so I thought, oh, wow, these houses are built really well. And um, <laughs> Well, and, as in with, with, with lots of structure. They yeah, structure yeah. They're very well built. Um but then I actually, when I was uh, doing the project mountain, I was just seeing how, how um, like, for instance, the insulation, as, as long as it looks like it's, it's all in and it's working properly, that's all the inspectors and the builders care about. But there are so many places where they're missed and they're not fitting properly. This, and, and when you have things like down lighters mm-hmm. uh, in people's ceilings, which is basically a hole in your ceiling, this has got no insulation whatsoever. Yep. it's basically a big hole to to outside and people think that's normal and expected and you're thinking whoa that just wouldn't be able to be passed in britain you also mentioned the uh, lots of timber and and uh, and the way we build the more timber that goes into the wall the less insulation because we're trying to squeeze all that into the same plane yeah um so yeah it's interesting you you say well built and structurally that might be true yeah uh, but that might affect other aspects of the performance. It, hey, uh, it does actually. Well, one one in particular is when you've got a an interior wall 
um, joining onto the exterior wall, a lot of time there's actually a little space in between that's never insulated. Mm -hmm. um, because the, where's the wall butts up against the exterior wall, uh, people can't get their insulation in between that little bit. And yeah. so they just leave it empty. Unless you've got a good builder who actually insulates it before they do other bits. But that seems to be the most common one. It's just that there's sections all around the house that have been missed. Yeah, <clears throat> and yep. I and that's and that's acceptable. And I went, wow, that's that's not. I good. think I think that's a scary thing because there are ways of avoiding that. And I know that there are there are proprietary systems out there that that now address that. But your key point is that according to our building code, it's okay. Yeah, yeah, so, and like I said, as long as it looks good. Yeah. That's 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 all that matters. It yeah. looks it looks good. Yeah. Hey, just backing up, you mentioned uh, you rattled off three different professions there: uh, plumber, <laughs> electrician, yeah. and builder. I was busy. Many um, many. I'm I'm assuming that's not that's not normal. Oh, it definitely isn't. No, but uh, my actual <laughs> trade in uh, in Britain was a heating engineer putting in central heating systems. Right. Uh, and it actually helped to be qualified in all those to be able to do my job properly. Um, yeah. But unfortunately, there's no real heating engineers over here because gas and all the central heating systems are just too expensive to put in over here, which, which was a shame, really, because they're really good systems. But um, so, yeah, that was another sort of um, quantum leap for me to actually then start thinking, OK, if you haven't got really, really good heating systems, let's keep whatever heat you can uh, collect in a house and insulate it as well as you possibly can. Yeah. So you've both arrived here. You, you see, well, I'm what, from here. So. You, you're, sorry, you, you, you're from. So you grew up. Where did you grow up, Pesca? Um, yeah, pretty much South Island my whole life. Um, in Christchurch since I was a teenager. So, yeah. Yep. So you you've got experience of uh, living in in cold, drafty uh, houses yep. with with yeah, yeah. <laughs> ice ice on the inside of the windows and all the rest yep. of it. Yes, yes. Funny you should say ice on the inside. That is. Amazing, and actually, I did live in in Europe and around a bit, and uh, yeah, condensation and ice. It just you kind of forget about it when you're abroad because they don't have that. It just don't. It doesn't happen. So coming back here and realizing mm, it's pretty cold and pretty damp, and that's okay. Like people are okay with it. They expect condensation and they expect it to be cold. Yeah, and for their you know like your aluminium windows and doors for that to be um, you know, you can touch it and it's freezing. Yep. Yeah. And, it's yeah. and you can feel the cold air coming in. And yeah. But to Paul, you know, he was like, this just is not normal. Yep. And and also there's so many technologies out there now and materials and systems that New Zealand just isn't tapping into and we totally could be because mm. they're there and they've been in use for decades. And, you know, and, and so Paul was like, well, if I'm going to – well, really it was originally um, – you know, he was working for an architectural building firm post-earthquake and seeing how many hundreds of thousands of dollars, millions of dollars spent on houses, and yet they were still um, condensating on the inside and still the same problems. And mm -hmm. it was like, so where's the, where's the money going? It's going into more foundations and so on, but not actually improving. We're not advancing our technology in building here. So yeah, and and we're not even catching up. That's what yeah, I often say is that it's not. It, we don't have to reinvent stuff. Uh, a lot of these systems are available and have been in use for quite some time. Mm, exactly. So I think a lot of people are 
have similar realizations and are at least conscious of some of these issues, but um, you've actually done something about it. How did you go from knowing this stuff to creating Park Homes? Um, well, I remember the conversation. Um, Paul was, we're standing in the kitchen and Paul was telling me, I've always had this dream to build these kind of houses, you know, these mm-hmm. earthquake resistant, transportable homes um, and really super insulated. And um, and I remember just saying, just do it, just do it. Like, why not? You've been thinking <laughs> about it for three years. Just quit your job, just do it. And, and we, we did that. We basically, we bought the section in Spencerville and Paul spent a year um, building uh, an entire first prototype um, park home and we lived in that for 18 months and so we, we wanted to be able to go through all of the seasons and experience everything and we did um, experience the Valentine's Day earthquakes and all sorts of things in it so we were able to then learn from that experience and then tweak it and funnily enough it didn't need a didn't lot of tweaking at all it, was, it, it really just did so well um, and, and for me you know I was in a double brick house when those big earthquakes happened mm. and it down around me and it's a really scary experience mm. being in a house and not feeling safe in your own home when something like that yeah. happens. When yeah. these other earthquakes happened, I was on a Skype call to Australia and just going, oh, you know, it's just an earthquake and it's all good. And the person on the other end thought I was very calm and, you know, could just chuck on through with the call. And, and it was because I felt safe. I felt like my house was protecting me. It was, you know, just kind of swaying with it rather than that jolty, scary you know and worrying about heavy things falling down because you know park homes are built to be lightweight and they're structurally very strong but there isn't like this huge roof cavity and and all these big heavy beams and whatnot that are able to fall down and hurt an occupant of a house so Mm. for me that was that was one thing that I hadn't even thought about you know feeling safe in my home when something happened um and then, yeah, after that time, we decided, right, we can start, you know, selling these. And um, funny enough, that is also when the tiny house movement picked up and, and yeah. was starting to gain traction. And because of Paul's, um, I, you know, he's a bit of an inventor and he's quite versatile and, and thinking across many industries and such. And so he was able to take both concepts, so the, the larger modular homes and then these tiny houses on wheels and still apply the same concept and use a lot of the passive house principles, which, again, are not known in New Zealand. Mm. Um, so it was kind of like taking all these things and then we realized we had to start educating at the same time because mm. people didn't know, like, why, you know, is insulation just simply double glazing? Well, it's more than that. And even then, we spoke to um, the people who do the Energy Star rating for appliances and so on. And we asked them oh, yeah. about energy star rating a house. And they said, well, funnily enough, we're trying to educate people just to double glaze their windows. <laughs> and that in itself is really hard. So we, we, we're way behind even getting people to that point, let alone <clears throat> where they can start thinking, okay, how, if I look at the energy efficiency of my entire house, I could give it, a, you know, a, an out of five stars rating. And so... We were surprised at that because he said the building code doesn't it, – it's it's quite low. It hasn't been changed significantly enough to advance people's knowledge and understanding of what a decent quality, well-insulated house is like. Yep. And, I mean, that's obviously quite general because there are lots of people out there who are 
doing the research and, and, and really investing in their homes. Um, but for us, we found we had to accompany our website with, you know, the blogs about, you know, what is a, um, a UPVC window, like why is that better to a regular window and um, things like that, you know, to just educate on on insulation and, and heat and how it works and thermal breaks and all this sort of stuff because otherwise we figured it just sounds like a luxury that people shouldn't necessarily have or couldn't afford and we're trying yeah. to make it, yes, you can have all these luxuries and still have it in, a, in an affordable home. So. Yeah. Well, more than more than just updating your website, you've you've written a book. You've got a an ebook there that uh, yeah. you've made freely available for download, which is packed with uh, information and really easy to consume as well. It's uh, it's a great little um, little resource. One of the things that jumps out at me straight off the the introduction is the the fact that on average New Zealanders are spending one hundred and sixty percent of their their income, and I kind of had to read that twice because um, that's scary. Mm, yeah, staggering. That, I and, mean, that's just totally unsustainable from a obviously from a financial yeah. point of view. It just doesn't make sense. Completely. Um, we've lived now over the the lifetime of Park Homes. We've lived in the prototype house. We've lived in a tiny house for six months, um, and we're now living in the the part the what will we call it, the passive house that we're building, which isn't complete, but we are living in it as we build it. Um, and in between there, we lived in a, a caravan and a portacom. So right. in between building spaces. So having experienced um, even just the electricity bill, where it's almost non-existent in our, all our park homes, almost non-existent. In fact, the, the line rental yeah. for the electricity more is more than what we're paying yeah. in there. That's frustrating. And yeah. that's uh that's three of you, right? Yeah, uh yeah, so us and the little uh, the little one and two dogs. Yeah, five yeah. of you. Yeah. So five of us. <laughs> yeah. And so and then So it's not we... just a crazy couple doing, you know, living living the hippie lifestyle. You've, you you know, it's uh this is a, a legitimate option for a family. Absolutely. Yeah, and I mean for us it's it's like we've got to do something to to make a change when we really you know, we were those people, those first home buyers wanting to have a home mm -hmm. that was, you know, worthy of living in for several years. And we realized actually we can't, we can't justify knowing what we know, buying a house that's just not up to standard. And so we had to do it ourselves. And there you go. Paul, <laughs> yeah. uh, but Pesco makes it all sound pretty easy uh, from that conversation <laughs> in the kitchen, uh, just taking 18 months out and, and building it, building a house. Yeah. Uh, was it was it easy? It was a lot of research. Yeah. Uh, just to find uh, what materials were available over here, because mm. I generally use um, metal structural insulated panels for all our houses now. Although I will use timber if people specify it, but I'd actually never used those uh, back in Britain. And in fact, even in Britain, they're not that popular at the moment. We're still sticking to the sort of uh, brick veneer and timber interior sort of style houses. Mm -hmm. Um. But when, now I've actually used them, I just think, wow, why aren't more people using these? As soon as you actually know how to build properly with them, they are just so easy to use. Literally, as soon as you actually put up the walls and the roof and just put a few flashings on, without even any of the cladding or anything else, it's already watertight and airtight if you've done it properly. 
Mm-hmm. And that's even before you've done anything else. It's it's just such a and it's so strong. Every single panel is a self bracing panel, so it's a very it become it makes whatever. So for instance, even if you're putting it on a trailer, you would actually make the trailer a very strong structural element in itself because it's they all tie in together, they're all riveted and screwed and glued and foamed, and it just makes a very very strong house and and like I said, airtight and super insulated. Mm. Yeah, they're wonderful things. Right, and and so you're using the locally produced SIPs panels. Yep, yeah. And there's, there's a couple of companies in Christchurch that do it, so we're quite lucky in that respect. Yep. Uh, and there's even a polystyrene recycling center in Christchurch, which is awesome as well. So basically, there's no waste. So with our um, panels either. Great. And and what have you had to import other products materials? What do you do for uh, windows and doors typically? The windows, uh, there's a couple of companies we do use. Generally, we use uh, UPVC windows down in Dunedin, mm-hmm. and they get their frames from uh, Belgium. Uh, but there's other companies in uh, Christchurch as well that get their windows from uh, Germany. So they're all European, um, and they just literally uh, bring over the frames, and then they make them in their factories over here to the, whatever size they need to be. So it's very easy. And where did you first come across Passive House? Uh Funnily enough, uh, in New Zealand, um, right. although I'd kind of it, it brushed my consciousness over in Britain. I hadn't really thought too much about it because every house in Britain is is pretty well insulated and mm. efficient anyway. So I didn't really need to look into anything um, extra really. But it's only when I came over here and realised how bad it was. I thought, well, here's a system that's it's world renowned and it's very efficient, and they basically say. It, once you're actually in it, you should only have 10% of your energy bills than a normal house. And I thought, oh, that's just so what we need over here. It's, it's almost like the polar opposite of what um, the traditional houses are like. Mm, mm. Tell me about the, the transportable part. You mentioned the transportable. Is that, um, is that attractive to people, that option? Or what does it actually mean to, to have transportable houses? Uh, generally, transportable has got the advantage that um, it can be built off-site. So generally, it can be built quicker and cheaper off-site. Mm. Uh, just the foundations can be done on-site. Um, and transporting a house isn't anywhere near as expensive as a thinker is if you've got it under a certain size and a certain height. Um, like we've transported houses to... Um, in the cargo, Ashburton, yeah, and it's Dunedin. and it's in the, the thousands rather than the tens of thousands. Mm. Um, so it's actually a very affordable option, and in, just, in terms of cost to transport, cost. Yeah. yeah, and that way then you haven't got if um, it, if it's a tricky section that's really hard to build that would be very expensive. If it's a section that might be noise sensitive or it could be dirty, or you just want a house just turn up one day and that's it. There's your house then. It's yeah. it's a Admittedly, you, you, you're kind of restricted to the sizes of what can be transported to your particular section. You know, down a, a windy mountain road, it might have to be a bit smaller than someone who's uh, just off the main road. But generally, we can build a house that's six meters wide by 16 meters long. Uh, and that's just because that's what fits easily on the back of a truck. And is the are those disadvantages a, a problem, do you think, for... Uh, wider uptake mass mass market it probably is in a in a way because um i mean from our perspective we're trying to have people think a little more about a smaller print um you know less impact on the environment and also just living 
um, better but more simply. So having less rooms that are just not occupied and, you know, because we're kind of in an age of, um, I suppose it's decadence in housing, you know, having mm. a bathroom for every bedroom and things like that aren't really necessary. Yep. Um, so we're kind of having people think about investing their money in the structure and the, you know, the energy efficiency and that sort of thing and, and downsize a little. So it does appeal to a certain section of people, I suppose. But um, with the modular thing, I mean, for us, you know, we know that SIP panels, we can cut a space and then add a bedroom or add another living space where you can connect the modules together. It's not so difficult if someone's family is expanding to add on to it, um, nor is it difficult to um, cut out a module later down the line. I mean, I had someone around yesterday saying, well, we're a family of four, but the children will be leaving home soon. You know, could we kind of partition off a section of the house and then make it um, a, a self-contained area to rent out and things like that. So yeah. I, actually we're, we're limited more by what the council will allow, depending right. on the area. So yep. um, because modular, you could ship, you know, we could do multiple, multiple modules and even just ship them all separately and then construct the, the remainder on site. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's really depending on how the land is and access to the land and also what the council of that region will allow. And we found that, um, unfortunately, uh, it's not, um, what's the word? Um, it depends on who you talk to. So uh, it's not always the same response everywhere. Oh, from every council. Yeah, from every council. And even yeah. sometimes going into the same council and speaking to somebody else, you'll get a different response. So, yeah, it's, it's not yeah. uniform, which is challenging because, yeah. it's you know, it's a bit of a pioneering um, industry we're in and um, for people to get clear and direct answers especially for the tiny house movement I mean you know for years we've been um, working with the council to try and get a plan and some legislation written um, that allows people to live in these homes because they're a real solution for some people you know a really good quality home that they own rather than rent and um, that is able to be moved so you know, land could be leased. We could make it easier for people to share land and lease land. But there's this funny old thing about having two kitchens on one property. Yeah. And it's like, well, actually, if you think about it, a, a seven-bedroom home with multiple yep. people in it is the same as having two tiny houses. You know, it's two bathrooms, it's two bedrooms. But, you know, I just think we could be a little more, I don't know, future, future thinking and thinking of, of – how are we going to really solve this housing crisis? And there are many, many ways to skin a cat. And I <laughs> yeah, think this yeah. is really one of them that's, that's, that's doing well. And people are doing it anyway. And I think if we all get on board, then it can be a real seamless um, transition for some people. So you think tiny homes are a practical part of that solution, not just a passing fad? Um, it may be a passing fad, but it's one that's fitting right now. And it might just be that things improve and new solutions come out of it because it's one answer for sure. Mm. It doesn't suit everybody, definitely. But um, I suppose with us, we've been fortunate because we're able to do both. Yeah. Um, you know, for us, we started with the the transportable modular idea and we added in tiny homes. So yeah. I 
for other other companies, it would be good for them to think outside the box of what else is possible. Yeah. Um, because you're right, it's not necessarily we can't have just little wheelie homes everywhere. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. I mean, some families we know several families of five living in tiny houses, and they love it and they manage, but it's not for everybody. You yeah. know, some people really do need their space, and I think we need to just be more conscious of how we can improve things um, across the board and. And for us, you know, that means not just having a higher quality home, not just having um, perhaps, uh, you know, better insulation and all that sort of thing and smaller footprint, but also, you know, building, the building industry wastes so much, so, so much. And it's like, how can we really, we have to be thinking consciously about the environment as well and recycling and I don't know, just so, there's so many things to think about, toxins and leaching into the environment and things. I just think if we're kind of thinking of multiple areas of being a human on this planet, um, composting toilets, for instance, um, in, in Christchurch, I don't know how the number, but there were a lot of chemical toilets released after that um, earthquake happened and the sewer systems, you know, uh, we don't know what's in them. But the chemicals that have leached then into the environment from those toilets, I don't, I don't even want to think what that's doing um, to our waterways and so on and to plant life. But a composting toilet, it's a brilliant, easy um, way to, to handle a, a crisis like that. Um, and, and having worm farms and things that, you know, worms are nature's uh, clean-up crew, so they're able to consume 70% of the human waste created in the composting toilet and then cleanse whatever's left over that could go on a garden and, you know, be fertilizer. And I just think if we were a little more um, taking ownership of what we as human beings create mm. in terms of our waste, then, you know, and a bit more accountable for that, then, um, yeah, we'd see a lot a lot more improvement in, mm. and certainly in this industry, but I think overall as well. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you're t certainly taking a lot more into account, obviously, than just uh, better insulation and uh, and smaller footprint. Um, the I, I quite like that that flexible solution of the, of the modular homes as well, because I think it is applicable to a lot more than the the small niche of the the tiny home, and the fact that you can expand it and and also um, uh, reduce it if if you want to. But I think that's addresses a, a big limiting factor of the tiny home movement is that you can it doesn't have to stay small forever mm. um and also the the point about transportable do people often confuse that with temporary definitely <laughs> yeah right um, and and also um thinking that transportable has to be on wheels as well um yep. it doesn't it just means that a, a truck is gonna carry it and a high ab is going to lift it um but then it can be fixed to traditional foundations piles or those those mm. rafts yeah piles are best yeah though. piles are best very simple mm -hmm. um but yeah it's once it's on your section i guess it means as well that it's permanent but this house we're living in now if we ever wanted to move it not that we probably would but if we ever did then we've designed it in a way that it can be taken apart into two parts and then just unbolted from its foundations and taken away. Yeah, yeah, it's brilliant. You know, also land impact, that's that's something that we're quite conscious of as well, that we're not just digging and destroying. Yeah, yeah. 
This uh, you got the modular home. That's the one on your website that uh, with most of the photos. Yep. On there, so people can go and go and have a look at that. I mean, it's it's a beautiful looking house. By no means it looks as though any quality has been uh, left out. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Just in terms of yeah, people thinking because you know, you are thinking that was your main drive was around affordability. Yeah. Uh, but that doesn't. And I think this is a really good example that says you can have an, what a more affordable house, but it doesn't. You don't have to. Um, it doesn't have to be uh, your quality. Yeah. So mm. basic that it's you wouldn't want to live there. And and like you said, you went through four seasons um, and and survived yeah. very comfortably. Yeah. 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 We did. Yeah. Um, what's where to from here? What's the plan for for Park Homes now? Uh, well, we'll. Basically, the house we're building at the moment, which is the uh, the full passive house, um, is actually just another string. So we'll have the normal transportable houses, mm-hmm. the tiny houses, and then the the passive house, which is the super insulation. This is where we've got triple glazing, and and the insulation is probably two or three times what a normal house is. Um, normal New Zealand house. Yeah, and we're, yeah. Also, we're also making it off-grid, so it'll be yeah. fully solar run and... Um, composting toilet and everything just to awesome. yeah, really to see what is possible because it's all there we've got so much in front of us that we can use to make an exceptional home mm-hmm. and yet it's still small I mean what would you say with that extension it's probably about 58 60 yeah. square meters inside yeah. mm-hmm. so you know it's just a, a two-bedroom comfortable but I tell you when we first moved in here and this just goes to show it's truly a Kiwi way there was no kitchen, no bathroom, nothing. We just had some electricity. We had hot water, mm. and that was it. And it was a bed on the floor, and it was warmer in here than I than anything. You know, no heating, no thermal mass, nothing. And it's purely because airtight and with decent insulation. And it was in the middle of winter, mm. and I was really impressed because I thought, well, it's going to be fantastic when it's finished. Yeah, uh, we're further along now, thankfully. <laughs> um, there's only so long you can live like that, but yeah, it's passive. Not necessarily having to have everything Passive House certified because there's yeah, quite a lot of expensive. tests you have to pass and they're, they're, yeah, it is expensive. Mm-hmm. But even just the principles, you know, using as many of those principles as possible, um, reducing the, the thermal bridges to the outdoors and things like that just, yeah, makes it yeah. so much more comfortable living. And yeah. way cheaper in terms of you can invest a little bit more up front, but I tell you it pays off yeah. because – Having no electricity bills and just minimising all those costs is, and maintenance costs as well is, is a staggering amount of money and a lot of saving. Will you be uh, moving to the North Island as well? You, you got uh, any, yeah. any houses up here? We'd like to. Um, we have had inquiry from up north. Um, at the moment, our restriction is um, getting things across the, the little ditch there. Yeah. Um, so there's only a certain size we can fit on ferries and things. So sure. long term, we'd like to have our own yard up there. Yeah. But um, yeah, not too sure. I mean, we've got so many plans um, for down here at the moment. Uh, you know, we've got lots of um, standardised tiny homes we're designing as well, um, and we'd like to to do a sort of you know help out the red zone village down here and things like that. So yeah, we've we've got a lot of it options in front of us i suppose the the so you got your spencerville passive house there will that be a fixed plan or do you offer customization as well um yeah we've always been a bespoke builder first um although we will have some standard plans as well so Mm. because we've realized 
after this long, not everyone wants to build or rather design every facet of their house. So mm -hmm. it helps to have some standard plans and people can adjust things. Um, and it's a lot quicker as Absolutely. well. Absolutely. Um, well, yeah, yeah. So, so once we've kind of, finalize uh, this one and we know um every little inch of it and that we'll yeah certainly um had some some standard options for people yeah 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 and this one will be open to the public once it's finished as well just um on the weekends we'll, we'll open it up for a few hours for people to great come. I, I think that's that's really key because i think people you can you can see beautiful pictures um and maybe be scared by the the size and the floor plan but i think going and experiencing it is is key yeah, often people say, well, it's more roomy than I felt or mm -hmm. by looking at the pictures and, yeah, it's true. You kind of need to get a feeling for the space and especially for someone who's downsizing, which could be mm. scary. Um, but I will say this much, downsizing, you'll never regret it. Anyone listening, you will never regret it because you, <laughs> you cut your stuff in half, your clutter's gone. It's very freeing. It's uh, very i got three kids. I'm sold. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, where can people get in touch with you and find out more? Um, if they head along to parkhomes.co.nz, um, the, the e-books for both tiny houses and modular homes are downloadable from there. They can inquire from there. Um, and also we have a Facebook page and Instagram, parkhomesnz. So um, often people just ask us questions that way and send us sketches, email us, design ideas for, for what they want. Yeah. So we're very happy to have people just get in touch and certainly um, for those who are a bit further along who want to really see something being built, then we do allow people to come to the yard from time to time and see um, buildings in process. Yep. Um, along certain, yeah, when they're getting close to finishing, it's always good to get an idea of space and, and such. So, yeah. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Hey, well, thank you very much for your time. Uh, no, it's a bit of a challenge squeezing it in, especially with uh, holidays and a little one. So I really appreciate making a, making a time available to, uh, to talk to us. That's cool. Thank you very much. And that was Paul and Pascal of Park Homes. What did you think of that? I'd love to hear your thoughts. Matthew at homestylegreen.com. And don't forget to check out their beautiful website, parkhomes.co.nz. You can also follow them on Facebook uh, Twitter. They're also on Instagram as well. And they've got some beautiful images. And check out those resources as well. They are very good, uh, very well written, lots of uh, nice pictures. Um, there's one there on Passive House and another on the, the modular homes that they've got. And just some explain some of the concepts of why their houses are warm, dry, comfortable, as well as being affordable. Thank you very much for tuning in. I'd love it if you could share this podcast and let others know about it. And uh, also, go make a better place to live. <laughs>